Our scripture reading this morning comes uh, from the book of Genesis, the opening book and opening chapter of the Bible. The Bible begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so what we see in Genesis, God spoke and it was, and then after seeing all that he made, God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. What story are you living? I can tell you, looking, looking back, um, a particular moment in my life that stood out to me, um, like everything had been, been pushing for this, this moment. I mean, I can't tell you how long I'd been working, how many, how many lawns I'd mowed over how many summers, uh, but as I, as I approached my, my 16th birthday, uh, I had been believing a story about my life uh, pretty, pretty emphatically. Uh, essentially, that one particular thing, once I had it, it would just make it awesome. Like, my life would be great. Women would want me. Men would want to be me, right? That kind of thing. And it's beautiful. Look at it. There it is. Hey, no laughing. This is, this is a work of art. This, was my, this is my first car. It's my sister uh, with me. Uh, it's a 1973 Super Beetle convertible. Yes, bright orange. Don't laugh. It was amazing. I love that car, except I also, I mean, I just hated it. It was terrible. Um, like, like, for example, so it didn't really have defrost. Like, all that would come out was exhaust, which is, which is bad enough. But it also didn't work. And so like if it was snowing out or freezing rain, anything like that, like the windshield wipers would lock up and I'd literally, I'd drive with my head out the window to not die um, in freezing rain, right? Uh, or, or for example, twice this happened to me, friends, not once, twice on the highway, top speeds, which wasn't particularly fast in that car, but still the hood like flew open <laughs> twice. Like you've seen Tommy boy, right? Yeah. That was me. Actually, I was pretty chubby back then, too. So actually, that was pretty close. That, that, was, that was me. But the reality is, like, worst of all, ugh, worst of all, I was still me. I mean, I was still an altogether average, insecure teenage boy. None of it really changed. But I was convinced, like, that was, that was the answer to my story, right? That's what was going to make it, make it better, make it mine, make it right. And I've mostly gotten over. I guess it was good for me to mow all those lawns or whatever, built character or something. I don't know. Uh, but, like, what about when it really matters? Because, like, even, even just think about it, like, billions of dollars are spent every year trying to convince us what the story of our life ought to be, right? And, and we believe it. Like, the, that, that car, that's going to make me special, right? Those clothes, that'll make me, make me sexy. That toy, that's going to make my life good and enjoyable and awesome, right? And we, we believe it. And you and I, we can actually let the main narrative of our lives go to the highest bidder. Makes me a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? And not, not just advertising, Everyone tries to tell us what our story should be. And you and I both base our stories on a whole host of assumptions. 
don't we? And you do know what happens when you assume, right? Let's not go there. Um, but, but an assumption, I mean, assumption is something we just believe, right? You just believe it. You don't question it. You don't even really notice it. It's just part of the fabric of who you are. It's an assumption. Like, it's just the things that we take by faith. Christian or not, religious or not, whatever, whatever, how you want to think about that. Like, it doesn't really matter. All of us in this room live by faith in our assumptions. That's why I bought that car. It's why you have the job you have and live in the house you do and the community you do and spend the time in the way you do and your money on the things that you do and the way you parent and, and all those decisions, right? It's, it's based on those assumptions of what life ought to be like. But is our story right? Are our assumptions true? Even just stop like, and acknowledge for a moment that our assumptions of what life ought to be are very different than those living today in other parts of the world. They think life should be about this, right? Or even think about our ancestors 200 or 2,000 years ago. They were convinced that life should be about that. And now we have these other sets of assumptions. And all of us that were convinced, like, this is it. This is where I'm going to build my life. But they change. They're culturally located. Are our assumptions right? You get one chance to write your story. Is it a story worth living? Hmm. Well, we're not the first people to wrestle with this, of course. In fact, when, when God's people left Egypt, which I know probably feels like a major flashback just now, when they left, they were surrounded by all kinds of people, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of stories about life and its, its meaning. But, but when God delivered them, he wanted them to start their new life with a better story, the right story. And so he inspired this guy named Moses, perhaps heard of him, to write a collection of books. Volume one is in that collection is Genesis, the first pages of our Bible. If you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn there. We're not going to leave page one today, really. We're going to be right there at the beginning. Now, now, for many of us, when we think of Genesis... Like, it, we quickly go to, like, our, our smorgasbord of questions, right? Like, creation, evolution, young earth, old earth. Did it really happen in seven literal days? Like, we get hung up there. And it's not that those questions are unimportant. Sure, they matter. But that, that is not the purpose of Genesis 1 through 3. In fact, most biblical scholars would, would say, like, that, that's not why they're written. Not simply to satisfy our curiosities of how and when, right? That's not why they exist. The main purpose they were written as God's people left Egypt, right? That's the time period in which they were written, was to give God's people a new set of assumptions, a new start to their story, to, to explain the big questions of who God is, who they are, what's right or wrong with the world, what's right and wrong with us, and what, what do we possibly do about it? The purpose of Genesis 1 through 3 is to dispel the competing mythologies around us. Israel needed it 4,000 years ago, give or take. So do we. So we're going to take the next seven weeks in these early chapters of Genesis, and we're going to do our best to wrestle with these cultural assumptions, 
Like these things that we believe just at the very core of what it means to be a 21st century American that we don't even think about or question. We're going to look at them and say, okay, but, but how, does, how does Genesis speak into that? It's a different kind of series for us. It's going to be challenging. But we're doing it because we want ours to be stories that are truly worth living, right? Now, this is, this is going to be hard, and we're not going to be able to answer every question as we think about these baseline assumptions in our, in our lives. And I'm sure we'll raise a ton of questions, probably way more than we're going to answer. Uh, and so we're going to do something a little different here. If, if you have some of those questions and you want us to wrestle with them or see us squirm a little bit, uh, you can text those questions to this number right here. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, it's 913-416-9653. Uh, text that to us, then sign up for our Facebook page, uh, and every Monday afternoon, a couple of our pastors across campuses will throw those questions together and see what comes out. Just do our best. Um, and that'll be posted on our uh, uh, Facebook Live and then on our uh, Facebook page throughout the week. So again, that's, that's our attempt to, to help a little bit with some of those questions we can't get to uh, during a Sunday morning. Now, now with each of these, these cultural baseline assumptions, we're not anti our culture, we're not... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not it. In fact, there's a lot that's good with the things that we, that we take for granted. They're just not enough. And the first assumption we're going to work through this morning is best summarized, forgive me, with a hashtag. YOLO. Huh? Go ahead, roll your eyes. It's all right. I'm guessing you hate this phrase as much as I do. Um, and, and yet there is something here, whether you even know what that means, like there's just, there's something here every one of us tends to believe. Something here we just assume is about, is how the world, how the world works. So, okay, so tell me, somebody, what does YOLO mean? Shout it out. You only live once, right? Thank you. Good job. Well done. <laughs> All right. You only, you only live once. Yeah, but, but what, is it, what does it really mean? Because it's not, it's not just a statement, you, you, well, we're all going to die. I mean, it's, it's sort of that, but it means more than that, doesn't it? Like, like there's something bigger than that, than that statement. In fact, so uh, Drake was the first to popularize this. I don't know if you knew this. In his song, it's a terrible song, uh, the motto. Um, that's, that's where it kind of comes out of. But, but basically, like, if it means, like, get it while you can, right? Like, life is short. Grab onto it. Get as much happiness as you possibly can for tomorrow we, we die. That's right. I mean, that's what it means, Right? It's simple enough, but at its core, that is a religious belief. It's faith in an assumption. That, that statement, that phrase, it assumes the natural world is all there is, and if I'm going to be happy, my one chance at happiness is now. And that's all I have. That's all I'll ever have, and so I've got to grab it. I've got to go get it. Right? It is not just a Twitter hashtag. It is a deeply philosophical view of life. Now, for those of you who are, are Christians, you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't, I don't believe that. I believe in the resurrection, that we're going to live forever and all those things. And I, I'm right with you. I also believe that. And yet, if I'm honest, the motto of my life more, more times than not is, well, I've got 80 years. I better do it. Got to check off my bucket list. This is my one chance to be happy. 
my one chance of the good life. According to Genesis 1, there's a lot that's good about that philosophy, that motto. It's just insufficient. It's not enough. And I think, and I think you and I know it. Like, no matter who you are, what you believe, I think we know the dissatisfaction. That's why we roll our eyes as soon as that hashtag got up there, right? We know it's not enough. So, so what, we, what we see here in Genesis, first of all, is that the world is very good. Like, you can't miss it. Uh, and so, of course, you want to grab onto it, right? That's part of, part of who it is. It's part, part of how we're made. And, and we want to enjoy it. We want to get as much out of it as we possibly can. I mean, this is, this is good, people. Even Drake, right, gets part of the story right. For our, our story begins, page one, sentence one of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so essentially, I mean, again, let's not get hung up on the timing and, and the how, right? But, but what's happening there, verse 1, God creates. It's, it's uninhabitable. It's without form and void. It's, I mean, r- roughly, whatever was at that moment, it was without purpose. It was, uh, it was not fit for human life and, and pleasure, right? Enjoyment. But verse 3 on is day after day after day, God taking the uninhabitable that he'd already made and, and making it purposeful, meaningful, beautiful, right? And at the end of that chapter, right, verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. I, I just love that. I mean, imagine like God himself stepping back after the work he'd done. And even he's like, wow, right? Right? I mean, he steps back and he sees the oceans and the mountains. He sees the beauty of a tree and the intricacy of the human body. He's like, wow, I made that. It's, it's very good. He takes the uninhabitable and with a word infuses the universe with meaning. Beauty, love, joy, pleasure, the way food tastes, the way dirt smells, like the, the way you feel love for your kids, sex. I mean, any, it, like he made, he made these things for us. Hmm. Last month, uh, we did a little, little national park trip. Um, probably tired of me talking about it, sorry. Um, <laughs> get used to it. Um, so so we, did, we did this trip, and, and our, our favorite, our favorite on, the, on, the, on this trip, we went to six parks. Our favorite was, was Glacier National Park in northwestern Montana. Unbelievable place. And one day, uh, one day we drove the uh, famous Going to the Sun Road. Uh, it's widely considered like one of the most beautiful drives on the entire planet. It's unbelievable. It's like 60 miles of that. Um, and at one point on the road, like I'm a little embarrassed to say this. I don't know why. It's not like you've never seen me cry before. Um, but at like one point driving, like all of a sudden the tears just flooded my eyes. I just couldn't handle it anymore, which actually is pretty dangerous because uh, you're, like, <laughs> you're like trying to just not die. You're hugging the side of the cliff, right? And all of a sudden I'm like, I can't see. It's so beautiful, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know what it was. Like in that moment, like my chest ached. 
And it just, I mean, all I could, like, it just felt so good to be alive. That's, that's the only way I can explain it. It was like, ah, oh, just something about being human and being here and this, like, it was just too much for me. I mean, the world is, is good, people. It's good. And you don't have to believe in God to feel it. The world is drenched with meaning. And you can find meaning in your life without God. We do, right? There's meaning everywhere. We can find it without God. But only Genesis explains why. See, I can, I can so easily forget that it was God who actually made those things, right? I can, I can get caught up in my awe and worship of the created things instead of acknowledging the, the creator itself. Like, I, I do it all the time. I mean, it's why, like, my bucket list, like, I want to see as many national parks as possible before I die because heaven can't possibly compete with that, right? I mean, you only live once, right? This is me. And this is also why if you're not a Christian, you may see no need in your life for God. Like I get that. There's enough meaning around you for you to be able to grab onto and live a fairly satisfying life, right? We can tell a pretty good story without God. The world is just that good. But is it the best story? And that, that leads us to the second thing. Because yes, the world is very good. But the world is just not quite enough. And you and I both know it. Even the most satisfying moments, the most beautiful experiences, the greatest places of pleasure, like they always leave us wanting more. Again, one of the primary reasons Moses wrote Genesis 1, again, not to satisfy our curiosities, it was to counteract the stories of the people living around them. Because they all had creation narratives. Right? The Egyptians, they had their story of how the gods created the earth. Canaanites, they had their story of, of how God... And they, those stories, they were all about these puny gods, lots of them. And they were easily, easy to ma- manipulate. And, and the true God, like, this, you regen, like there's no manipulating this God, not, not this one, right? But, but for the Egyptians and the Canaanites, uh, they, they could manipulate their gods. They were small, puny gods. They did all these things. They had these, these stories, and they built their lives around these stories. Their creation narratives determined their life story. And so do ours. I mean, how you think it began and how the universe runs determines the way you live your life. And our dominant narrative... Right? It's that it just, just happened, right? That you and I are a magnificent accident. Beauty, love, pleasure, they're all just survival tactics or figments of our imagination. They're not real. They don't really exist. And so you better grab onto it while you can. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't believe that, though. I don't believe in evolution. But let me just say, if you've, if you've grown up in this culture... I guarantee you believe in evolution way more than you think you do. Because we just, we can answer our own questions. We can solve our own problems. We don't need God. We don't have to bring him into the day-to-day. We assume that, our, that this is it. That this is, their, this is our chance. And listen, this is not, 
thank God. This is not a sermon on evolution. That's not, that's not what we're doing, okay? There are, at least on evolution itself, there are plenty of faithful Christians who believe in some form of evolution as God's way that he chose to create. That's, that's okay. We're not going to split hairs on that. We can talk about that later. Uh, I mean, Genesis, Genesis 1, for example, has confused biblical scholars long before Charles Darwin ever came around, okay? These are hard parts of the scriptures to understand, especially when you know that it's not their purpose to satisfy our curiosities, so that's, that's not the problem in itself. The problem is that regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, we, meaning us humans today, all of us, we just assume we can explain everything without him. That every question you have or ever will have can be explained without God or will one day be able to explain without him. And therefore this, this is it. Get it while you can. Uh, for example, philosopher Charles Taylor is a modern philosopher. He calls it uh, an imminent frame. Uh, basically, what he means by that is that for the first time in human history, uh, we humans live in a closed universe, that, we, that we, we built a ceiling around our world, that nothing gets up or down, and this, this is it. What you see is what you get, and we all embrace it. Almost everything you and I tend to do assumes there is no God. Now, there's a couple problems with this. Maybe you assumed such, or at least that I would think there are problems with this. Two things in particular. First, there are serious logical problems with this. This is all there is philosophy of life, this worldview. And I'm not, I'm not saying that our story is perfect, okay? Believe me, I have, I have my doubts often. And yet how quickly we point out the holes in this and just sort of assume that naturalistic, naturalistic explanations are flawless, don't we? We just kind of take it for granted. But what about big questions like, why is there something instead of nothing? I mean, think about that for a while. Why does anything exist? Like, apart from God, like, there's no way to rationally explain that. There's no satisfying answer. Or, or I mean, I know that's a big one, right? Think about that later. You won't be able to sleep tonight, right? Kids, kids, you're, yeah. Um, it's a scary question. Why? I mean, that, and why is the something so good? And how? I mean, yes, okay, maybe microevolution, small changes over time, possibly. But the macro, apart from God, how does the inorganic become organic? Like a rock become a, like a, a tree, right? How? How, do, how does the simple become complex? How, do, how does a cell become an eyeball, Right? There's no satisfying explanation to those questions except time and chance. That's, that's our story, isn't it? Mm. So unsatisfying. So on our, on our national park trip, trip I, I like to go to the, uh, <laughs> the ranger talks. I know, we've already... <laughs> I've already established, I'm a dork, I know. But I, I love like hearing in these like incredible places like the sort of the naturalistic scientific explanations for how these things came to be and what, what it all means. And you know, I, I, I love that, it fascinates me. Get over it, okay? Um, and I also like, you know, rangers, they tend to make cheesy jokes. So, you know, there's a bond. Um, and, and at this one particular talk, uh, the ranger, he made a, a dumb joke because um, that's what they do. And it basically was like, Hey, these stairs we just came down, you know, you know, these evolved like millions of years ago that we all just used. And it was sort of like, we all gave him a pity laugh, you know, and uh, that kind of thing. But the reason it was funny is because it's ridiculous. Like we know, it's like this, 
There's no way stairs, they don't, they don't appear. They're too complex. They're too intricate. We know somebody had to put them there, right? And I just thought back at it for a moment, like, but what about the tree there? What about the humans using the stair? Infinitely more complex than a stairway. Time and chance. That's our story. Which, of course, drawn out to its conclusions means everything is meaningless. Nothing you do ever matters. There is no good or evil. Like, nothing counts in that universe. Which leads me to the second challenge. Okay, so the first challenge of the this is all there is philosophy is, is sort of the, the logical challenge. And again, I didn't, I didn't just disprove macroevolution and I'm not going to prove that Jesus is God. Okay, it's not going to happen. Um, stop holding your breath, I know. Um, but I, did, I want us just to all for a moment recognize that every one of us makes huge faith assumptions all the time. Right? You, faith that God did it or faith that time and chance is actually enough. It's all faith. But the second challenge, I think, is even more compelling. Not only are there these logical problems, there's also existential problems. It's just so unsatisfying. Like, like to hear evolutionary theory describe why we feel love or pleasure or beauty or joy. It's all just survival. That's it. Or figments of our imagination. It's deeply unsatisfying. And don't, don't just take my word for it. Life in the closed universe, like we live in that, we've lived in it long enough that like, like all kinds of like, just look at, listen to music, right? And you see the longing for, for more. There's got to be more. An easy, an easy example is you two. I mean, they're kind of, you know, a little bit easy on that. But like they're on their 30th anniversary tour of the Joshua Tree album. Oh, what a great album, right? Hard to believe 30 years. Um, hundreds of thousands of people are going to go back and listen to this again, right? Maybe millions. And the great song on there, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It doesn't matter what you've got, what you've been, where you, like, there's still, like, this a little bit more. And I know, you too, they're practically Christian. We can dismiss them pretty easily. Um, but what about, what about Bon Iver? Uh, the critically acclaimed song, Over Soon. Do you know this one? It might be over soon. Where are you going to look for confirmation? There I find you marked in constellation. There isn't a ceiling in our garden. I know poetry's hard. It's a little weird. Um, but what's he saying? Like we're looking for confirmation somewhere in our, our garden, our beauty, our reality, right? Is there really a ceiling? Is it closed? Is there a limit? Is there an end? Surely, surely there's more. One more, and I kind of am embarrassed even using this one. Such a terrible song. Um, James Arthur. It's been in the top 100 for 42 weeks. People love this song, okay? Um, here's, here's part of the chorus. I want to stay with you until we're gray and old. Just say you won't let go. I want to live with you even when we're ghosts. Gross, right? Gag me. <laughs> the poetry's not great, but the pe people love this song, right? Some of you love this song, this, this longing for more. No, it's just not quite enough. Again, I'm not, I'm not proving anything. I'm not trying to. All I'm saying is that even our culture, living in this closed system, is desperate for more, always longing, looking for more. Real, like the world, this is all there is. It's just in, insufficient. We're not happy with this story. So is there a better story to tell? In the beginning, God. 
I mean, think about how in those just few words, everything changes. What if? What if it's true? So I, w- I want to end with a question and three quick steps for us as we continue to wrestle with this because we're not going to solve it. Uh, whether you believe in God or not, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you are young, old, doesn't matter. I think this question applies to everybody in this room. I know I need it to ask myself regularly, what story am I telling myself? What story am I telling me? Because nothing, I mean, we're all telling ourselves a story, right? The background in our minds. Uh, what, what story is, because that story is going to define you. Like nothing will shape your, the story of your life like the story you tell yourself of what you believe is foundationally real about what it means to be human and live on this planet. That story is shaping every decision that you make. And so is it the story of a God-infused, meaning-saturated universe and a life that will never end? Is that what you, you wake up telling yourself, that's my story, I'm part of that story? Or is it the story that, well, I better get it while I can. It's all going to be over soon. This is my one chance at happiness. How you answer that is going to change you. Let me give three quick steps to help us on this process of answering it. First, first doubt your doubts. I'm not saying your doubts are wrong. Just don't assume that they're right. Acknowledge just for a moment like that for us living in the 21st century West, we have been sold hook, line, and sinker a story that this is it. Like it's everywhere. I mean, that's, that's the message in everything that we look at and see, every advertisement, every TV show, every movie, like that's it. And yet there's this longing behind it for something else. Maybe that story is true and this is it. Just don't assume that it's true. There's too much at stake. I mean, there are lots of reasons to doubt Christianity. I wrestle with many of them regularly. But I also have serious doubts about a closed universe devoid of any meaning. You can doubt Christianity. And I'll join you. We can do it together. We can wrestle through these things together. Um, But just don't forget to doubt your doubts. Be open to more. Like, are you even open to more? And that, that's really the second thing. So doubt your doubts. Second, watch for meaning. Look for cracks in the ceiling. Look for those moments when just a tiny bit of light shines through, even, even our closed reality in which we live. Every human longs for more. It doesn't make, mean there is more, but are you at least watching for it? Looking for those places that you just can't explain, right? The, those moments of deep meaning where you just feel something, Right? Yeah, I recently uh, read the new book, The Nature Fix. It's a, sort of a scientific study of the neurological benefits of nature on your brain. There's a lot of research that's been done right now of why nature makes us feel the way we do. It's kind of right up my alley. Um, and it's, it's written from a completely atheistic perspective. Uh, I mean, her theory is we evolved in, outside, and so our brain loves it outside, um, which could be. I would say we were created for a garden, um, and that's maybe why. Um, but, but in this book, even from an atheist pr- perspective, there's a whole chapter on awe, on the inevitability and necessity of worship. 
Like there's something within us in those, those moments where, you, again, you just you can't explain it and you, your, your soul just sort of soars. It's those transcendent things. Go find those. Look for them. Look for the light shining through the ceiling. Uh, Cheryl Strayed in her book, Wild, uh, she writes, there's always a sunrise and always a sunset. And it's up to you to choose to be there for it. Put yourself in the way of beauty. And so tomorrow, watch the eclipse I dare you not to worship. I dare you to feel nothing. I I dare you not to at least wonder, could could there be a God behind something so mysterious and so amazing? I mean, Psalm 19 says that the loudest preacher, the one that everyone everywhere constantly hears, that speaks every language, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In a closed universe, there can be no meaning. Without God, the meaning you feel, and yes, you feel it. Of course you feel it. There's meaning everywhere. But apart from God in a closed universe, that meaning is an illusion. So just try it every day, everywhere, in everything. Watch for more. Perhaps, perhaps there is more out there. Doubt your doubts, watch for meaning, and finally keep longing for more. Don't be so easily satisfied. Yeah, watch the sunset, but don't let that fulfill you. Go, go visit the mountains, but don't let that be the, the end of your, of your delight. It's okay. Keep longing for more. It's okay to have a bucket list. It's okay to want to get as much joy out of this world as humanly possible. God made it for us. Just don't let it end there. Let it always point to the one who made those things. And that the reason they're so beautiful and so good and so joyful and so pleasurable is because he is those things for us and never stop longing for more because the reality is it is going to end, right? It's not enough. God created a good world, but Adam and Eve blessed their heart. Saw the fruit, looked at each other. Well, hon, you only live once. And crunch. And everything fell apart. Even if you can find satisfying meaning in the world without God. Again, I don't question your ability to do that. But even so, it's still going to end. And it doesn't solve the disappointment, the regret, the shame, the the brokenness, the heartache that still lives around you and and inside you and we never escape the haunting reality. That's just, it's gonna be over soon. But our story doesn't have to end there. Your story doesn't have to end there either. For, For our God, we believe this together, that our God actually entered into this world that he made. And all the mystery that it is, he came as, as one of us and he took upon all of our, our sin and suffering, all of our doubt and frustration and, and question. He took it upon himself on the cross. He bore it for us and came out of the grave alive. It's why, it's why John 1 starts the same way as Genesis 1. It's, you know, Genesis 1 is the creation of the world. John 1 is like the new creation beginning. And John writes about Jesus. He says, in the beginning, it starts the same way. In the beginning was the word that's Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made through him. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Jesus is the one who made it. Died for it. And promises to make it whole. Which means not only is our world drenched with meaning, it's drenched with love, with hope, 
with, with a promise that he will make it right, that even the, even the ugliest parts in us and around us can be made new, that it doesn't have to end, and you don't have to grab it all right this minute. Don't you want that to be your story? I know, wanting it doesn't make it true. But could it be true? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you, would you break through the ceiling? Would you crush the walls that we've created around our universe? And would you enter into our hearts, our church, our life, our world? Help us to see that there is so much more. God, help us to be able to wonder again at the beauty of, of all that you've made. And would you give us a glimpse of who you are and who you've created us to be. We need that. We can't do it on our own. And ultimately, Lord Jesus, we thank you because you made it and you died for it and you will make it new again. We long for it to be made new. I long to be made new. Begin that work in us, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for being here and worshiping with us. It's just been a joy to, to be here together. Again, if you're new, if you're a visitor, we'd love to meet you and greet you in the lobby. Uh, and as Nathan mentioned, we invite you to continue the conversation by texting in questions uh, to them, or I think we have on the screen maybe. Uh, but you can invite, invite you to just continue in the conversation, questions you have that came up from the message. We'd love to dialogue with you about that. Uh, well, as, as, we, as we head from this place uh, to be the church scattered, we were the church gathered in this place, but we go to be the church scattered. I wanted to to just kind of commission us and send us out as we go to the places God has called us to. And I was reminded of this, as I mentioned, uh, myself and some of the members of our global team were going to Rwanda this week. Uh, but it, I'm just reminded that God sends all of us uh, to the places he's called us to, to be his ambassadors in this world, serving and seeking the common good of all. And so whether you are a student or a teacher embarking a new school year, whether you're a mom or dad investing in the lives of your children, whether you're an engineer, software programmer, store clerk, whatever it is that God has called you to, may we go knowing that he has called us to the place that he has put us in. So hear these words from Colossians chapter 3 as our benediction for the road. Brothers and sisters, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Amen. Go in peace.